0: What's up Clatchers, just wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast and for letting your friends know about the podcast and getting them to subscribe. Just wanted to remind you that we have this awesome banner on our website, coffeeclatchcrew.com, that it will lead you to Amazon and it won't cost you any more money. You do your regular shopping and it lets Amazon know that you are fans of ours and we get a little kickback. I personally just used Amazon last week to buy a bunch of Walking Dead figurines. And, you know, Halloween's coming up. And if you have not bought an outfit yet, you can go to Amazon. they got any kind of Halloween outfit you'd want on there. You get two-day shipping, you'll have it in time, and all your troubles will be gone. All right, thanks again, guys, for listening, and enjoy the show. Peace. This is the Cliffy Crew Walking Dead Episode Review.
1: I fully respect the hair game. There's a vast ocean of shit that you people don't know shit about. Carl! 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 Car! Look
0: like you're going naked, brother. Welcome back to the Coffee Clats Crew TV Review. Today we are reviewing Season 6, Episode 1 of The Walking Dead. I'm Jason Pistorino.
2: I'm Christina Lomangino.
0: Chris, were you hot? Was it cold?
2: I'm going to say I was hot for this episode.
0: I'm going to give it a hot too, especially after watching the whole season of Fear the Walking Dead. The juxtaposition between them was drastic for me.
2: Yeah, I can't wait to discuss all the things we were complaining about with Fear of the Dead that we were clamoring for. Walking Dead, I think they knew it and they came back, they provided all of that. So there was a couple of things I wasn't crazy about, but overall loved the episode. Seeing as how this is our first time doing The Walking Dead, for all of you listeners, we are going to be doing episode reviews the way we did for Game of Thrones. Let's start off by talking about The Walking Dead in general. So season one premiered on AMC back in 2010. We are now at The sixth season, which I can hardly believe it's been that long. This episode one premiered on October 11th. We got a 90 minute episode, which I was excited about. I think we needed that extra time to get back into our plot line.
0: Yeah, but AMC is just riddled with commercials. So it was probably like 10 more minutes than normal. That's true.
2: This is definitely their flagship show. It renewed the series each year because it's getting unprecedentedly high ratings for cable and consistently increasing Nielsen ratings, which I guess they still go by. I guess so. It was nominated for several awards, including the Writers Guild for TV for new series and a Golden Globe for Best TV Series Drama. It hasn't
0: won many awards, sadly, but it's been going up against some mammoths of tv
2: yeah in that drama category that's a rough one
0: yeah and the show that actually brought amc to the map which is breaking bad that won a whole bunch of awards but there's still time
2: yeah this season will have 16 episodes split again into two parts we're getting familiar with that format the second part's going to air in february 2016 we have gimple returning as our showrunner for a third consecutive season For those of you wondering about upcoming seasons and where is The Walking Dead headed, the executive producer said a while ago that they have enough original material from the comics, enough good ideas for Rick Grimes and company for about seven years, and that they already know where seasons 11 and 12 will be, and they have benchmarks for all of those.
0: Nice. I'm still trying to get you to read The Walking Dead Commendium 1. And you you haven't read it yet. So many different things that happened. And I can't tell you about it because you haven't read it yet.
2: (laughs) I think we have a lot of comic book fans out there, a lot of Robert Kirkman fans. And I know that it's not exactly a strict interpretation the way they adapted from what I hear. uh, No, they adapted like
0: full ideas or full plot points. But the characters, so many different things happen to each character. it's, It's almost a completely different show if these said things happened.
2: Now, without getting into this episode yet, because we have some more things to discuss, I did hear from people who are comic book fans. That's part of the reason they really enjoyed this uh, first episode was the black and white, the way they used to show flashbacks and present day. They said the black and white scenes really called back to the comic books. It was like coming to life on the screen.
0: Yeah, it was definitely a callback because the whole comic book is in black and white. Very gritty Mm-hmm. drawn uh, the first few volumes I think was a different artist because there was a lot more smooth mm. art there was more shadows more grays hm. and then there was like I don't know what volume it was because again I got the compendium but after a certain volume it's a different artist and it's it's blacks and it's whites and there's barely any grays so it's very drastic
2: which one did you like better
0: I like the original artist better just because, I mean, maybe it doesn't work as well for Walking Dead. I still think it does. But even Rick Grimes looks completely different. A lot of the characters actually changed the way they looked.
2: Oh, I hate when they do that. Getting back to the show as a whole, there's some interesting facts about the music, the makeup. Bear McCreary is the guy that composes the scores for this series. He said the main theme, you know, the song that we all know and love now, <laughs> we associate with Walking Dead, was based on his viewing of the production designs for just the opening title sequence. That's where he got it from. And he chose that simple repeating motif from the string section. And in case you were wondering, there's actually a soundtrack out there for the fourth season con- called Songs of Survival 2.
0: I uh, bet it's I guess intense. there was
2: another one last season. <laughs> and the makeup... Which is just incredible in a show like this. The way the zombies look, the special effects for everything. That's Greg Nicotero. We talk about him a lot. I had a little slip up I noticed from last week's podcast. I didn't mean to say that he was on Game of Thrones. I meant to say he was on regular Walking Dead and about a million other things. If you want to just Google that on the internet. Listeners His-
0: know that you're a Game of Thrones freak. So I think, uh, I think they'll understand.
2: I can't get it off my mind. Even when we're doing Walking Dead. <laughs> Uh, you have to check out all the things Nicotero has done for filmography. Special effects, makeup effects. The list is pages and pages long.
0: And you know what? he He's actually good at talking. In Talking Dead, you know, normally when they have producers or other people, they're kind of awkward because they're not used to talking in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. He's actually funny, and he's able to say things about the show without being all awkward, like, oh, I shouldn't say that. You know, where you can feel it in their head, like, what can I say here? Yeah. He's really smooth with that.
2: He's very personable. And I guess he knows so much about it. It's not just the special effects. He's also executive producer and director for several of the episodes.
0: He really gets into the makeup of all the zombies. I fully respect the hair game.
2: Some of the things you would know him for, Breaking Bad, Book of Eli, The Hills Have Eyes, Amityville Horror, I mean, just hundreds and hundreds of different TV shows and movies. He also talks about what the walkers go through, that each walker is put through zombie school. I don't know if you've heard about this. They're taught how to move like zombies, act like them, and there are three different levels of zombie makeup. Hero, midground, and deep background. Hero zombies are featured walkers and are completely made over from head to toe. Midground zombies get highlights and shadows on the face, but they don't get close enough to the camera to require full makeup. And deep background zombies often wear masks and are only meant to be used as backdrop. Okay, the filming for the show. The first season through to about the first half of the fifth season were set in the Atlanta metro area and surrounding countryside. And the second half of the fifth season mainly took place in Alexandria, Virginia. What kind of reception is this getting? According to Rotten Tomatoes, season five got an average of 97%, and Metacritic gave it 80 out of 100.
0: That's pretty good.
2: So it's killing it. I was a little bit shocked, I know that. I was so hooked for a couple of seasons, really in love with it, even people that said, you know, the majority didn't like season two. They did not like the whole Herschel's farm thing, which I adored, I thought that was great. There
0: wasn't enough trouble.
2: Yeah, I can see that, that it was kind of a low point, but there were parts of that I really enjoyed, the character development, the finally feeling like they were safe for a little while, because we don't get a lot of that on this show. Mm Um, it wasn't until I would say around season four that they started to lose me a little bit. And then into season five, I was getting kind of frustrated, but then I would flip back and forth throughout season five. And by the time this season rolled around, I was like, all right, I'm back in, let's do it again. (laughs) And the way they talk about it, they say, thanks to a liberal dose of propulsive bloody action and enough compelling character moments to reward longtime fans. The fifth season continued to deliver top-notch entertainment. Carl! Just to refresh your memory, in season five, we saw Rick's group being formed into the consummate survivors by the world around them, nearly making some of the survivors into villains. To make it as far as they have, to have made it through all their heartbreaking challenges, they had to evolve into incredibly powerful people. But who have they become? The last five episodes of season five answered that question, with Rick accepting an approach of full brutality by murdering Pete, a fellow Alexandrian. So that's how we left off last season. I had to kind of refresh my memory about, you know, what that last scene was like in the town.
1: It's him.
2: Then we move into season six. Starts off with Alexandria's safety shattered by multiple threats. To make it, they need to catch up with our survivors' hardness. While many of the people in our group will need to take a step back from the violence that they've needed to embrace. The reversal of roles won't happen easy, they say, or without conflict. But now our group is fighting for something more than survival, they're fighting for their home. And they will defend it at any cost, against any threat, even if the threat comes from within. We have a few new actors this season. We have Corey Hawkins as Heath, who is a prominent and long-running comic book character. He's a supply runner and loyal friend to Glenn. Next, we have Merritt Weaver as Dr. Dennis Cloyd, another comic book character, a doctor stationed in Alexandria. There's Xander Berkeley. He's cast in an unknown role still. It just says he's a recurring role that will debut during the second half of the season. Any thoughts on who that could be? Somebody they run into, perhaps, if they have to leave Alexandria, as we're kind of maybe starting to think that could happen.
0: What is the description of him again?
2: Uh, They don't really say, just a recurring role.
0: It could be the guy hitting the horn. could be a bad guy.
2: Ah, one of the wolves, perhaps? Mm -hmm. Well, then we have Tom Payne as Paul Monroe, Hilltop Colony recruiter. And of course, we have Ethan Embry as Carter, resident of Alexandria, who we were introduced to and already said goodbye to all in episode one.
0: Yeah, I knew he was trouble.
2: Each episode, we're going to go over our deaths. For this one, it actually was just Carter, I believe, that we lost.
0: Forget Carter.
2: How do you feel about introducing the character, giving him this whole backstory? I was really frustrated as the episode went on saying... They're making us believe almost that this guy has been there the whole time, that he was an important part of the community in Alexandria. But it seemed as though last season we had already met and already been introduced to anybody that really mattered except for a couple of people that were supposed to be out on a run and he wasn't supposed to be one of those guys, I don't think. So there were characters that if you needed this spot, kind of develop the backstory a little bit so we get attached and then kill him off. This way we don't have to kill one of our main characters. I'm okay with that. But I don't know if I'm okay with introducing somebody totally new, pretending like he's been there all along and he was important just to kill him. Couldn't we have used somebody else from the Alexandrian community?
0: I, I, I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, I don't mind it because he has been there a long time in that community, just not in our headspace. He was out on a run looking for more survivors.
2: Did they say he was part of that group that yes. went on the run? Oh. Because I don't think I remember that. That's right. That would have been easy enough to explain why we hadn't met him.
0: There was only three people in the truck.
2: Yeah. I don't think he was one of them.
0: I am totally lost. I don't know.
2: And we had met enough people that you could have used them. I feel like it was kind of, oh, Ethan Embry, he's a big actor. We want to bring him in. So let's bring him in and play like he's been there all along. And we just, you know, we didn't know him yet. But
0: Well, he is in another show that's like on its second season. So okay. it might be uh, a money thing. Where they wanted him on that show to get his face more recognizable.
2: Mm-hmm. Back in the public eye. Yep.
0: And he's also in a commercial too. That car commercial where he's looking. He's got a blonde in his car. And he oh, looks at
2: yeah. The call back to uh, Vegas vacation. He was, in,
0: he was the kid in Vegas vacation. Yep. So she's like, really? A blonde? <laughs>
2: a- <laughs> when he was with his dad who yes. got caught for the same thing. Yep. That's a cute commercial.
0: So maybe that was it. Or we're missing something. Maybe we'll ask Darnell when he calls in. He but I cute. didn't. I didn't mind him dying because he was a big enough threat throughout the episode.
2: Oh, yeah. The death, I didn't mind at all. And I didn't mind giving him the backstory so we know who he is. I, I just felt the choice of him in that role, having never met him, was a little weird.
0: If we're missing something and you guys know it, let us know. Email us at contact at coffeeclatchcrew.com. Let us know because I'm completely... I, must have missed that. I thought he was part of the crew that came in.
2: Ethan Embry, though, the actor, he was cute on Talking Dead. For those of you who watch, you know, everybody's favorite companion show that goes along with Walking Dead. It airs right afterwards with Chris Hardwick. I always found that a fun way to keep living the moment and recap how you felt. You know, you kind of want to talk about the episode after it ends. That's why we do the podcast. Yeah,
0: he was cute. Like he was like a fan up there. It was obvious that he was a fan and he was like overexcited, overstimulated, and like didn't know when to stop talking and almost said the wrong thing <laughs> a couple times.
2: That and he also talked about how he had auditioned for three different roles on Walking Dead before because he was such a huge fan and he just wanted to play a part and finally he was able to get on as this character.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about the non-linear effect that they went with with this episode that they haven't done yet this season going black and white and color. And I, I know that it was used mainly for a tool. It wasn't... You know, it kind of is a callback to the comic books, but it was mainly for a tool because it kind of... It would have been confusing going back and forth because the time frame isn't so different where the characters look so... Like, it's not when they were teenagers, so they have long hair, and you right. can tell the times are different. So they needed something to delineate what the time frame is.
2: Yeah, definite smart device also... For those of us who've been watching Fear of the Dead, we were complaining that we needed to see more action. We wanted the big hordes of zombies. We wanted to be hooked very early on. I think Walking Dead really recognized that. And they wanted to come in with a bang, introduce you to this big action sequence, but they couldn't skip explaining to you what had occurred between the end of the fifth season and now. And this is the way they reconciled it. They had us start out in the present moment seeing this big, big horde of zombies in the quarry. Getting introduced to just a couple seconds of that action and wanting to figure out what was going on, that's in color. And then they cut to the black and white and they start explaining what we missed. The character moments, the slower moments, the dialogue. Explaining to us the sequence of events. And then they start jumping back and forth. Really smart. Uh, Initially I was thinking how far in time have we gone back? Is this A long time ago, have we missed a lot of time? Um, Very soon on, they show us we're in Alexandria. You get caught up to it wasn't that long ago. It's right after the scene happens at the end of the fifth season and the repercussions of that.
0: I was really confused in the beginning. I was like, oh, man, how much did I forget about last season? (laughs) I had figured we would see right after Rick kills Pete. And then we see, you know, right away they're acting out Rick's plan. And uh, it took me a few seconds to realize what was going on. And then I did have that, like, how much time has gone by. But I think they did that on purpose. I started the show knowing, okay, we know we have one danger. That's the wolves. Mm -hmm. And then right away, I'm like, okay, they have two huge dangers, immediate dangers or threats. And that's the wolves and this horde of 30,000 walkers. Yeah, and that was such
2: a great action hook, too, that you didn't quite understand what the danger, what the plot was there. They kept showing this huge group of zombies, so you know that's not good. But they seemed really contained within that quarry and blocked off by the trucks. So it's like, okay, what's the problem? Why can't we just leave them there? And even once that's been explained to us, you know, that they could and will eventually escape that, and they're too close to the town to make this safe. It's going to eventually cause a problem. Right up until the end and through the end, we still don't know what was the ultimate plan to get rid of them. Where were we leading them? You know, Daryl's the Pied Piper. Where is he taking them? How are we going to get rid of the zombies? They they still didn't give us that answer, so it was a good way of stringing you along Mm. the entire episode, asking questions. We got a couple little glimpses of our side characters in the early flashbacks, which I guess was good to check in with them. We saw Tara recovering from her coma. We saw that Father Gabriel is not trusted by the group anymore because of his betrayal. We see Rick putting more people on watch after learning about the wolves. And we also get a little more of a look at Morgan arriving in the town.
0: Let's talk about the title of this episode, First Time Again.
2: Ha, did Morgan make you think of that?
0: Yes. So, of course, the title of the show comes from when Morgan and Rick are conversing. And you come to find out, I didn't know, I thought that was just Morgan's like room. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like solitary confinement until they figure out, well, Rick's got to see, is he still crazy?
2: Yeah, he's being watched.
0: Yeah. And at the same time now, funny enough, Morgan's thinking, has Rick lost it? Absolutely. What he walked in on. So Morgan's on this com- the extreme opposite of where he was. He's all about peace and everyone needs a chance to survive. Something like that he quotes in the last season.
2: Yeah, he's, he's a little bit hard to pin down. They do keep talking about how it's like getting to know each other for the first time again. They're not getting reacquainted because they've both changed so much in this interval between seeing each other. And this is several times now that they've changed a lot. The first time we meet Morgan, he is sort of a regular guy trying to protect his family, looks out for Rick. The second time we meet him, he's completely lost it, off the walls, crazy, killing every single zombie that's in sight. (laughs) And now he's come all the way back around to sort of zen, sort of peaceful, but there is this aspect of he does understand when things need to get done. So I'm having a hard time following how he views Rick there were some looks that it looked almost like judgment like Rick you're going a little too far I think you might be at the verge of snapping but then there's other times where it looks like he agrees with him he's like I know what you have to do is tough but you're the man for the job yeah Um, I don't know if they're gonna clash in this this new relationship or not
0: I think they will that's a great question do you think there'll be a showdown with Rick and Morgan
2: Yeah, we need to find out a little bit more about where Morgan stands. We've seen this new form of martial arts that he's very engaged in, not just as a way of fighting, but almost a way of life. You come to think that it's somebody important that's taught him this. He tells Rick it was somebody he met after they had split up. Mm -hmm. And uh, it seems like his experiences and his relationship with this person have shifted his mental state and for right now he's very content to take that step back and let rick be the leader this is rick's community he has brought them through all of this and he's going to respect the decisions that he makes i'm almost thinking that he might eventually start stepping up as the wise yoda sort of character Mm -hmm. where he's giving his advice and telling rick what he thinks but maybe not necessarily a you know a showdown or a fight between them
0: i hope there isn't one um but also, first of all, before I forget, I am I hope they do flashbacks with Morgan and we get to see who taught him how to fight and how he went from that crazy, insane dude who lost his son to the Morgan we know now.
2: Yeah, talk about what would make for great webisode side story, you yeah. know, Morgan, since we last saw him. Totally.
0: And also, so, yes, I, I just, I see it building. That's my issue, is... You know, when Rick uh, Morgan tries to hand the shovel and he's like, you know, we're going to bury him. You're not that guy who would just drop him off. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you don't know me because he's, he's like, I know you. You'll bury him with me. Yeah.
2: And, and I didn't see anything wrong with Morgan saying that. It was almost no. a bit Herschel-like of pushing. I'm not judging you, but I want to keep you grounded. You- you're you going to have to do hard things, but that doesn't mean you need to completely u- lose your humanity. Um, You can maintain some semblance of that in the face of a difficult world. However, it's more of Rick's reaction to that. It's Mm -hmm. very harsh. You know, like, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I've had to do and don't look at me like the person I used to be. I'm not sure why he's feeling so abrasive about these confrontations. It seems he's very emotional. But what worries me more is it's not just Morgan. You're also getting... Michonne coming in at weird times, she hasn't really been saying much, just sort of in the background when Rick is making these uh, difficult, quote, bad decisions and kind of giving these looks. Like, I don't yeah, know she's that already she approves. Said, mm,
0: I think she's already said she's with him no matter what.
2: Oh, of course. She's not going to leave him. But if her and Morgan decide to come in on this other side of, Rick, you're making wrong choices, and then on top of that, you also have Daryl, disagreeing with him at one point again very respectfully willing to go with rick's decision but mm-hmm. it's just a lot of things building up and i feel like we have played that story out yes with Rick. I,
0: I don't want them to clash i want it to be more like he's the morgan is the conscience that rick's lost mm-hmm. but will slowly get back into his head and get rick's humanity back one of the key quotes of this episode where he says we don't bury he's a murderer we don't bury murderers in here and he said, Rick, you're a murderer. I'm a murderer. Mm-hmm. We all are murderers now. So that, that's his conscience. I just hope it doesn't clash, I don't know.
2: And again, does it, yeah, there, and there's a lot of times where we, we feel, and this is probably intentional, right? How enough is enough towards Rick when statements like that are made. We get it, we get that this is not something he would want to do if life was normal. This is not in his typical character. But he doesn't like it either. He has to do it. He's doing it to keep his group safe. And they're willing to let him make those those tough actions. You know, they, they don't want to do it either. And, and yet they're going to sit back and judge him for it afterwards or say that it's scary because he's losing his grip. So I'm just not sure how many turns Rick can take with this whole... Um, arc of his development before it gets really played out like we've seen every single up and down and we've had enough of it let's just move forward and everybody kind of fall under rick's leadership the outside threat is enough we don't need an internal um another arc like that to occur to to be interesting
0: that's probably my only negative about this episode because i did love it but it did remind me too much of the same rhythm that this show is going through. And I understand it's safe because they're making millions of dollars and people love the show and this is the rhythm that they've been going through. You know, the whole someone goes against Rick, he goes nuts. Um, you know, Rick and company going for, a, looking for a safe place to live. Safe place is compromised by either the undead or the ruthless living. Rick and company go looking for a safe place to live again. Yeah, Rinse that, and repeat, that's, you know?
2: And... So it works for them, but when they start to overdo it too much on any of those accounts, that's when you're getting a lot of the feedback of, oh, I don't know how much longer I could do it with this mm-hmm. show, I just continue to watch because it's been so long and I'm such a faithful fan that I can't give up on it. Yeah. But they did push that boundary many times before when they went through the entire Terminus plot. I think a lot of people were really at the end of their rope with Walking Dead It was enough. It was just the last straw of there's a safe place. We spend the entire season trying to get to it. When we finally get there, shit goes awry in the last episode and we have to move on. (laughs) Now, they started doing that all over again with Alexandria. And I said to myself, they really can't go in the same direction or they're going to lose people. So my one real fear and disappointment was there was elements in this episode of doing that all over again. Mm Even just at the end of the first episode you have is their home going to be compromised? Is Alexandria yeah. over? For episode 1 <laughs> Like what are we going to do? Go back on the road if it is? I don't know. We need something fresh.
0: On the internet people a lot of people were stating these same facts and some were starting to say let's kill Rick.
2: Oh jeez.
0: That would be a big change. The, you know, someone else that has to be the Leader, You know what? Who would be the leader? Who would you think?
2: If Rick died? Yeah. Glenn.
0: I was going to say Glenn, too, but...
2: Morgan would be good at it, but he wouldn't want it. Neither would Michonne. I think Glenn's sense of wanting to help people, he would feel obligated to do that, and he's smart enough to do that.
0: Yeah. I think Carol would make a good leader. Oh, dear. No?
2: I think it'd be scary under the Carol Tatership... (laughs) She, she's gone a little too bonkers for me. I, I know people are liking this yeah, uh, extreme side of Carol. And I do love the turnaround that she's made from season one. But uh, it's being pushed a little bit far to the creepy now. And, and uh, I don't think it would be for the overall good <laughs> if Carol was in charge. But I also completely would hate killing Rick off. People talk a lot that they have been careful not to dig too far into the core group of characters, killing off too many people that are too close. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, we have lost quite a few of our pretty main characters. Oh, so many.
0: People that we forgot about when we were watching the marathon. I was like, oh my God, I forgot they were a part of the group.
2: Starting off with Shane and Lori, right in the inner circle. Yeah. Tyrese.
0: I mean, the, the list goes on.
2: I think that Rick is a symbol hmm he's one of the last of the core group and you can't do the show without him
0: but where do they go now because you're right i don't want them to have to leave and then go again go searching again for another place but mm-hmm. what kind of a show would it be if now we just have them in this neighborhood and they just have people conflicts
2: yeah well people uh they didn't like the it's all safe for too long on herschel's farm i did I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of safety and and rebuilding and some new stuff on that. We also had the interpersonal stuff occurring at Woodbury where we Mm -hmm. had the governor. And some people are saying, could this be that situation all over again where Rick becomes the new governor and Alexandria is the new Woodbury? If we're going to take Rick to the extreme in personality, that could be kind of a cool path to follow.
0: Oh, I hope not.
2: Personally, I would like to get a little more of the global view. I said this in Fear of the Dead, but I'm going to repeat it in Walking Dead. Maybe it's more likely to happen here. When they had their run-in with something bigger and they got to the CDC and they were hearing from that scientist more about what was happening to the world, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind another storyline like that, perhaps. Get them out of the on-the-road, come to a place, try to rebuild, leave. Yeah, Change it up a bit.
0: Let me ask you, do you think that Father Gabriel Stokes is like back to normal now because they made it sound or seem like he was?
2: No, I don't think they made it seem like he was back to normal at all. We left off season five with him opening the doors and letting the walkers in and we open up season six with the whole town not trusting him because they know that A, he did that and B, he was trying to sell his group down the river (laughs) when... Everybody really is kind of liking the group now and and making peace.
0: Maybe I read too far into that one scene where he was digging the graves. Just like his body language felt back to normal to me. But I probably just read too deeply into that. You know who I am worried about? Sasha Williams. She was cracking the end of last season
2: she was but talk about making her seem back to normal she seemed to have a big turnaround where we're seeing her in this episode be a little more of the stable one when she's in the truck with abraham and he gets out and he is now the one cracking acting strange putting himself in danger and laughing almost hysterically manically when he gets back in the car she's looking at him like dude (laughs) you're losing it a little bit
0: Here's Darnell. Darnell! Oh, shit. Here, call right back. Call right back. Uh, I think she felt normal because, remember, her trouble was being at peace again. So this is back to what she feels comfortable now doing, which is being out there with the walkers fighting it.
2: Well, I think, though, they didn't...
1: Going on, brother.
0: Thanks for calling in, man. It's been too long since we've had you on.
1: Uh, I know, man. Sorry for the lateness. Uh, we had a little dilemma at work, so I got, I got out. So I was like, I was gonna eat first, but so I was like, no you know what, Let me do a podcast call real quick, in, you know, for, for thirty minutes.
2: I think that it's more than that with Sasha. For some reason, she has come to a sort of reconciliation. She, I guess, is more genuinely at peace. And is able to look at Abraham and notice that he is the one cracking now. He's about to lose it and needs to be reined back in, similar to how she did in um, season five.
0: Okay. All right, I think it's a little bit of both of what we were thinking.
2: Let's talk about the next point that everybody's been questioning. Who rang the bell at the end of the episode? We didn't get a chance to find out what the ultimate plan was, where they were taking the zombies or what they intended to do, perhaps to kill them all, because they were disrupted. This bell was ringing, and Rick somehow for sure knows it's coming from home. Who do you think our culprits are?
0: I'm going to say it's the wolves or it's that kid that just lost his dad, Ron.
1: Oh, that's a good one. I didn't think about that one. I think that's a good one, Jay forgot about that one. I actually thought it could have been uh, Deanna. You know, she looks like she's a little bit unstable at the moment. Like, if you see her facial expressions, and now, like, she's like, yeah, whatever Rick says, but, like, you can see by her face, like, she doesn't know what how she's even thinking at the moment. I'm thinking she's still going through that little depression that's going on. Like, she just lost her husband. I'm thinking maybe she, she did it. I feel like it's just too cheesy to be like, oh, or cliche, that. It's the wolf
2: pack. Yeah, I agree with you that the wolves seem a little too obvious. I never even thought about Deanna. That's a good point. And Jason, what you said, uh, it could be Ron. I think that if it is Ron, he could be in cahoots with the girl, Enid, Carl's girlfriend, because she has been a little bit strange all of last season, kind of wandering off into the woods, going off on her own, a little disgruntled. Perhaps there is something happening with the youth at Alexandria.
0: My, my only issue with that is what do anybody in that town have to gain with blowing the horn?
1: That's true. You know what it looks like? Well, not like, but it's similar. You know at the jail? The jailhouse uh, a couple of seasons ago when there was that girl who was bringing the rats to the zombies and they were like trying to figure out how they're kind of seeping in, yeah. breaking through. And then we found out that she was actually like you know allowing the rats and that's how they were breaking into it, into the jail cell, how that all occurred, but they didn't know until, like, where on in in the season. hmm It's, like, they're, they're taking that concept a little bit, but I'm thinking it could be, like, a, sort of a sabotage on this one. Like, she was just kind of going on, like, some empathetic kind of thing. But, like, this looks like more of, like, just somebody, like, kind of either sabotaging or either they got overrun. But I feel like it's too early that they got overrun.
2: Oh, I've also heard that it, it could be a, a combination. So any of these people we're talking about, the kids, Deanna, could be some kind of mole for the wolves. It's, in, it's somebody in our camp, but they're acting on the motive, Jason, as you said, for whatever the wolves are doing. Oh, okay. I can see that.
0: I don't know. I just thought of this, so I don't know if I really believe what I'm about to say, but this happened uh. shortly after Carter was killed and Morgan was sent back To tell the town that Carter's dead. Mm. So someone's pissed off that Carter's passed away now.
2: Oh, I thought you were going to say you thought Morgan did it.
0: Either Morgan or someone else there is pissed off that Carter's dead. Part of Carter's crew. Remember he was talking in that Mm -hmm. room?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, except they didn't seem too eager to take any action. They were sort of following Carter's lead, but not entirely against this group either. And I think perhaps you can't discredit some less likely ideas, such as Father Gabriel, who just keeps doing dumb shit for absolutely no reason. Wow, good point. Or somebody like um, poor Eugene, who's just a bumbling idiot and does something on accident and winds up having really huge, ridiculous consequences. I mean, there's a (laughs) lot of things that could be going on.
0: Could have been a car accident. And someone's dead and hit his head is on the horn.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, just something stupid, maybe yep. not even intentional. And another topic we've been dancing around, but we haven't actually said, what do you guys think they were intending to do with these walkers? In other words, why didn't they just leave them in the quarry when they had them all rounded up and find a way to kill them? Blow them up, set them on fire. They already had them all kind of herded in there. Why were they going to lead them out just to take them somewhere? What was the purpose?
0: Well, I did go to Reddit and I did ask that question and people just did not have an answer. I, I put, uh, this is what I wrote. So Rick has put together his plan of corralling the walkers past their home and to another town. As we learn, this is crazy difficult and a lot can go wrong. What other ideas can you come up with? Is there a way to kill the walkers while they're still at the quarry? So the issue is, I think there, I, I read that there's 10,000 or 20,000 walkers mm-hmm. down there. And what's cool is they actually had 300 real actors down there, and then the rest was CGI, but that was the most that they've ever had. Yeah, it's a lot of extras. Do you guys have any other idea? Let's say you were Rick. What other plan could you come up with? You can't use bullets. That's not going to do it. Fire?
2: No, rig some kind of explosive. Have a massive fire. Maybe you just fill the whole quarry with water and drown them. Quiet. Easy. You're never going to get that many walkers in one place at one time. If they're such a threat, the easiest thing you'd think would be to take them out while you have them rounded up.
0: That quarry is so big, they wouldn't have enough water.
2: You pump it in from some kind of lake, rig something up. I mean, I don't know. You could have, they were saying they could have solidified the walls to buy them a little bit more time. Mm -hmm. That way they could come up with a plan like that. I just don't understand what the thought process was. Were they just going to lead them away and hope that they stayed somewhere far enough?
0: I think they were going to bring them somewhere where they made another false wall, bring them in there, and then the guys in the front, Daryl and all them, would double back a different route Mm -hmm. and escape, but they would have them corralled outside of the... The fake walls that they come up with mm-hmm. and then close those walls and have them, I don't maybe be gone. I don't know. Cause still how far is far enough?
2: Right. It's not going to be far enough ever with that many walkers. I just, it was a little bit strange. Um, and another point that we didn't talk about too much was what do you think about the future now with Jesse's response? We know that Ron wasn't at all happy over the death of his father, and he sort of came out to protest the burial in the woods. But then we also see the encounter between Rick and Jesse when she turns down his help and tells him she's just going to learn how to take care of herself on her own, have somebody else teach her to shoot a gun. It seemed we were building towards a potential romance or encounter or something between the two of them, and now she's really uh, blowing him off because he killed her husband.
1: Yeah, I think the romance part is going to probably happen like in the second half of the season, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I think she's initially now going like, I think he's a little bit off the hinges now. Like, I think the way how they play that scene where like he picks up the gun and he's like, about to teach and then he, she goes like, she, like, oh, I'll, I have someone that's going to teach me how to do it. I don't going to teach them how to do it. I won't fight. And like, he drops the gun down. Like, I feel like, like it's symbolic of like, okay, like it's, we're not going to be together right now. Like, I'll... Take a step back at the moment. Like the little the hidden imagery behind that scene, it was just it was just him dropping the gun. It was him just dropping. it was gonna. I'll take a break you if you want to take a break at this moment. That's what I saw. You know, that's what I felt I from that scene. Like the words without words. That, you know what I mean? That,
2: yeah. She almost seemed more scared and disgusted with Rick than she ever had with her husband. Yeah. In that moment,
0: but she just saw her husband kill the leader's wife, husband.
2: Yeah. And he clearly was not a nice man or husband. He was abusive. He had a lot of issues, but I think whatever she's seeing in Rick frightens her more and she doesn't like the way he handled it or the way he's going to try to step in now and sort of be a substitute father to Ron or, you know, hubby to her. She's not feeling any of that. It's like, all right, I'll fall in line under this new rule and I'll teach uh, myself to shoot and defend myself, but not with you with someone else.
1: Darnell,
0: do you think Rick you guys, is a bit...
1: Be- uh-huh. What's that? No, I was going to say, did you guys miss, uh, mention the little hidden easter egg that was in the episode with uh, Morgan and the show?
0: No, go for it. Oh,
1: oh, man. All right, The scene looked like it had no like part in the episode whatsoever the when they were like, it was Morgan, Rick, and the show, and Morgan telling the show, like, did you eat that in my last." Candy bar and you got like, the poor have one more left at the house
0: oh the candy and bar like,
1: huh. yeah that was in relation to an episode that happened I think it was last season or the season before when they went back to his house Remember when I went back to Morgan's house that he was gone
0: that's when and he went nuts
1: chewing, and she was chewing on a bar and goes Rick goes oh you're eat there and stuff and she says it says welcome and it was referring to that incident Yes. Yes. He came back to the house, like yeah. He came back to the house until he remembered gets one more ball up.
2: Oh, I don't even remember oh. that.
0: Oh, you oh, did, you yeah. didn't know where that was coming from?
2: No, I I didn't see the relevance of it till just now.
0: It's so funny that Morgan remembered because that was t- some yeah. time ago. And how did he know to ask her?
2: Exactly. <laughs> he was very meticulous. He
1: was still around the area, I believe. Then he must have been still around the area that he knows that like she was probably chewing or something, or like he's seeing them.
2: Even asking that question. So, uh, one other little group story that we have left to talk about is Glenn, and we see they have this diversion mission going on while the rest of the group is carrying out the main goal of leading the walkers away. They come upon that building where they have to take out the walkers, lest they start making too much noise and divert the whole pack off of their course. Mm -hmm. It was interesting, the interactions here. You know, Glenn was really trying to step up and be a leader. The plan wasn't necessarily working out so well, and he did not want to trust Nicholas to help them initially. But it winds up being that Nicholas saved Heath uh, being bitten by a walker. Mm -hmm. And there seems to be some kind of trust build up there and a little bit more of a camaraderie when they come back.
0: Well, there's not trust yet yet. Glenn st- keeps looking at him weird, and he didn't want him to go with them yeah. out there.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. He was against it in the beginning. He wouldn't even let him come in and help them kill the walkers. Oh, but at you first. mean towards
0: the end when towards they're at that the end after building. he
2: saved them, he because Nicholas saved Heath from being bitten in that scene when he finally right. yes. stepped in, and Glenn oh. gave him a look of maybe I yeah. trust you a little bit more now.
0: And he did also say, "Listen to Glenn. He's been out here for years when we weren't." And he knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. So he definitely got, he's definitely, um, Glenn definitely got his respect. So I think it's a matter of time, but Glenn will slowly learn to respect, uh, trust him, and maybe respect him too.
2: And uh, what about Heath's role? Because he's he's a relatively new introduction here this season. Uh, What do you you think he's going to? I think his
0: role is going to grow, but I think he's going to be one of the people that they kill off.
2: Oh, really? Yeah, but
0: his role will grow, grow, so it means something when he does die.
2: What do you think, Darnell? Do you see death in the future for Heath?
1: You know, I don't know, man. Like, I see I see him laughing at least a season. Like, he, he has that possible side-low leadership. I don't know, from the bottom.
2: I agree. Yeah, I think he could how? become yeah. some something of a bigger character.
1: He doesn't seem like the other character. Um, remember the one that was from our uh, last season?
2: And Noah. Noah, is that yeah. the one you're talking about, the younger kid?
1: Yeah. I knew he was going to last for, like, the next season. Like, just based how you know, his, his cowardice at moments and, like, a little shaker. But this kid, this kid, he he seems like, certainly he's, like, methodical, analytical. This is about, i wasn't getting, like, pulled off anytime soon. But, like, I feel like him and Glenn are going to be, like, the way how Rick and Dal is, you know how like Rick and Dal, they convene, and the other girl's name, the older one, I feel like Glenn and Heath are going to be like that, kind of like that. Yeah, he,
2: he seems like one of us already, Heath, like yeah. we've already accepted him in a way. So we saw some of Glenn, he's off doing his own thing, but we hardly saw anything at all of Maggie, and she's kind of faded into the background for a while now. What do you think's going on with that?
0: Uh, I think she'll come back in the loop. There's just so many characters that they have to interweave. Right now, she's she's not going crazy, and she's not doing anything out of the ordinary, so she's kind of blended back into the background for now.
2: Which is fine, but it's been like that for a while. It was almost as though Herschel died a while back, and so then she had her connection to Beth, and Beth became bigger, and then Beth died, and now she's more like Glenn's girlfriend than somebody who used to be one of our main, very strong characters. She really, uh, the more Michonne stepped up into the highlight position, mm -hmm. the more Maggie has faded into the background as a strong female character. Mm -hmm. I I think think she's going to be more relevant soon.
1: Yeah, I I think so too. I, I agree with you. I think at some point she can be more relevant. I think that right now what they're trying to do is trying to introduce the audience to new characters from Alexander's last season, we didn't really know like who they were like, individually. So I think now, this first episode, they wanted to kind of like expose a little more like who these characters are, you know. Well, uh, that I makes sense,
2: just... but we spent so much time wasted then on Eugene's yeah. bumblings. <laughs> what is the point of spending so much time watching Eugene trip over his own two feet again? Just comic <laughs> relief, perhaps?
1: I think that's a good point, Christina. We're gonna to have to wait and see for the next episode. But um what's fascinating is that um, it ended last ep- last season's episode almost ended with the Wolf Pack discussing them trying to go into Alexandria. But nothing was even mentioned in the first episode about the Wolf Pack at all. So that's what I spell you know I'm I'm always saying it's Vienna, but then I'm also thinking about the Wolf Pack in the back of my head. I'm like, like did they wait for that plan for Rick and the leaders, most of them to leave for them to kind of
2: Infiltrate? All right. Yeah, they're it, out it. there somewhere, still in the background.
0: They'll be back real soon. A mounting threat, yeah. if this
2: isn't them directly ringing the alarm.
0: We needed the walkers to be bad guys again, because it's been a, a lot of episodes, including last season, obviously, where it's been about other humans being the danger. So they needed to come back with a vengeance, so they have this huge horde, and it's, again, the walkers... Are the bad people? Because it, w- you know, we're getting inundated. We've been watching sev- six seasons of Walking Dead. We got Fear the Walking Dead that we just finished watching, and then we have Fear the Walking Dead Flight 690 or something. And um, it's, I think, it's easy for the viewer to start kind of getting used to the walkers, where we don't we don't get shocked by them or really scared by them anymore. So this was Walking Dead trying to say, you know. Don't forget the walkers. They are dangerous.
2: Yeah, I think that we weren't feeling so immediately afraid of them because they were so under control. Our group was so adept at handling them. They show up, we kill them, it's fine. But by bringing in this new group who doesn't know how to handle themselves or how to deal with zombies and creating an even larger threat to all of them, you've made that relevant again. And I really enjoyed um, seeing Rick kind of push the townspeople in that situation where he wasn't going to let the zombies kill them but he was going to try to make them step up and learn you have to do this now so let's see if you're able to take care of it and if not we'll jump in
0: i love that scene because it reminded me of oh yeah this is how that group was too like they didn't know how to react and they kind of just stood there
2: yep i thought thought you don't
0: take chances anymore rick Yes. (laughs)
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, even then even yeah,
2: even then they gotta they gotta question him even though that was the right move and the look on his face when Rick had to take Carter out. Yeah. Because by the way, Carter did not go gracefully. So after his face was bitten off, he was about to kill the entire plan. Mm-hmm. And when Rick had to step in and finish him off, it was really not good judgment on their faces.
0: Okay. So since we're talking about that, let's let's get into that part. One, I knew Carter was trouble because of the, well, obvious, it was obvious when he was in the office or in that house talking about, we need to kill Rick. The meeting, yep. But also before that, when they just showed the way Carter looked at them in disdain, mm-hmm. I was like, this guy's going to be trouble. I didn't know it'd be this quick. But then him screaming, "Do you, what do you guys feel? Do you feel that Rick did the right thing?
2: By killing him, you mean? Yeah hundred percent. What else were they going to do? He was dying anyways. He was, was going to right? die. He was in Infected. pain and he was ruining the whole plan. But yet they looked at him like, how could you do that? Rick, that is
0: exactly what was Morgan? Why? What did Morgan have to, to be upset about? I don't understand.
2: I don't know. What should he have done? Was it the fact that it was so easy for Rick to do it that he saw that it, it really It wasn't. He didn't... tried
0: to shush him for, like, it felt like five minutes, but it was, like, maybe 15 <laughs> seconds. But I was like, just shut him and up. That guy shut was him up.
2: really go on, going on and on. I was like, oh, come on, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just be a man and stop ruining the entire plan here. But you know what? We all, we all
1: have to remember that um, Morgan still sees the memory of Rick, how he saw him a couple of seasons ago like Rick went through a lot of stuff so like he he's now trying to get acclimated to the new Rick so he's just like well, I I want to expect Rick to like to just kill him that like instantly you know
2: Can I ask you guys a bigger question cuz we've kind of danced mm-hmm. around this a lot we've talked a lot about the changing personalities how people adapt to this world the phases that they almost seem to go through um, whether it's being in denial and not able to deal with it, not able to step up and kill the walkers, do what needs to be done, then they eventually have to do it, then they become hardened to it, then they might crack. It's this whole um, series of levels to learning how to live in the the post-apocalyptic world. What do you think the ultimate end result is? What do these people look like, say five years down the line, when they've finally gone through all of the phases, and this is what it is. This is what it's been for a long time. What does that person look like? Who is the new survivor?
0: Quick to make decisions, very determined, resilient, obviously able to fight.
2: Like is it just a bunch of ricks running around or do you have to get even worse that we're more like animals and that's the only way to be with no conscience and no humanity?
0: No, just set, just no, there's lines. You know, if you're bit, you're dead. You know, if you're bad for the group, you're casted away.
2: Right, because that's pretty much where Rick is right now, right?
0: Right, but it doesn't really work when everyone else are pansies.
2: Well, I think that's my point. Either if that's what it's going to be, everybody else needs to kind of come on board or Rick's wrong and we need to figure out what is the right way to be.
0: I think Rick is a little overboard right now. He's a little extreme, but Rick is a survivor and other people have to have some learn some of the qualities that rick has in order to survive or they will end up dead
2: yeah i don't i, could, I agree with him i don't think he's overboard at all
1: yeah i don't think he'll so be there do you guys think cause let's be real here, yeah. alexander is not going to stand all forever um so you know there's going to be a certain point in time where it, um it's going to be breached do you think the people living in now not um, not Rick's gang, but like the new people that he's trying to teach that there you know, like Heath and the people, Deanna, these guys, how to, shoot, how to shoot a gun, how to prepare themselves. Do you honestly think they're going to be ready when shit hits the fan, and like Wolfpack comes in and the zombies start tearing like shit up into them, into their own home? Do you think they're going to be prepared to like fight how Rick and his crew have been friends like the past four seasons?
2: I think that they're they're weeding them out now. That this is this is almost like the selection process, and Rick is training them all. And either gonna they're gonna get to the point where they can, or they're gonna be killed along the way or in the showdown. And what you're gonna have left is the survivors. Maybe adding a little bit to Rick's group. Rick's group bulks up by a couple of um, survival of the fittest who who wind up joining.
1: Is he gonna have Morgan he will help them, or he's gonna be like, no, let
2: them fight. And yeah, let, and I have don't watch. I don't think he's gonna have to weed them out at all. And I think he came to that realization himself in this episode where he said, uh, You know, I, I, just, I just discovered it. I don't really have to do anything about these people that aren't gonna step up or that are acting like idiots because they're gonna die anyway. Mm -hmm. He was referencing people like Carter, like they will get killed by this world. So I actually don't need to be the person that makes that hard decisions. um, Nature, the world will do it for me. And so whoever's left will inherently be the strongest that will be able to kind of step up to Rick's group.
0: Let me ask you, Darnell, do you think the priest has turned around since last season? Do you think he's back to normal or do you think he's still going to be up to his weirdness?
1: I think after last season I think he kinda of made amends of like, you know, with his past, what he did. They showed that glimpse of him like breaking down. I I honestly think this is like him trying to turn a new page, a new leaf. And he really wants to help, but he, you obviously know why Rick doesn't want to help like they they got screwed over a couple of times you know last year. Yeah, he's year, already bro.
0: spoiled the water.
1: I, yeah, so you know what? I, I won't be surprised if he made like a, a really good save. When I mean by a save, I mean like he kinda like Say someone you know when they're about to get like bitten unexpectedly or in a jam. Like I'm, I'm waiting to see that way like being a tight jam. He comes and a am staying them, you know. So I'm, I could see that in the, you know, the foreshadowing instance, but I could be wrong.
2: Yeah, I think it, it would take something epic like that because the group does not trust him now, and I don't know that he even if he feels bad for what he's done has it in him to be any stronger. Or more heroic than he is right now which isn't very great so I think we either see him um, turn cloak again or die (laughs) that's my prediction yeah
0: you know I want to talk real quick about Eugene I used to think he was the most annoying character he bothered me (laughs) it was actually like whenever he was on I was like oh this guy's such an asshole and an idiot but he's kind of like he's funny now you did
2: Yeah, I was just saying about how, why did they spend so much time on his bumbling antics? And maybe it's just for comic relief because things are so so tense.
0: Well, I thought he was always bumbling.
2: (laughs) He was, but we got so much more time spent on him in this episode when there was so much to review. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of time put into just his, you know, being clumsy and being an idiot. And it didn't really serve to teach us more about his character. So I feel like the purpose had to be Well,
0: a little bit of comic levity. relief. But also the actor, yeah. Josh McDermott, he's actually a comedian.
2: Yeah, he is.
0: He was on the Joe kid Rogan kid. podcast. He's a nice guy. Um, I don't know. I, I want him. We need some comic relief. I want him to be funny like that all the
1: time. Hey, it's good to see someone like me. I fully respect the hair gang. Do you guys think with Eugene, right? This could, be, this could be far-fetched, but it looks like it could be. Do you think it could be a possible romance between Eugene and the girl um, who just came out of the uh, coma? Oh, I'm, I'm sensing something. I don't know, Tara. Uh, yeah, well, wrong, that's but...
2: that's been going on for a bit now, right? But I, I think it's one-sided. I don't think she's feeling it that way. Oh, not yet, right? Not yet. Yeah, maybe if if Eugene grows a little more this season, it could be a possibility.
1: And
0: now it's the time of the podcast where we give our reviews, 1 through 10. And since it's The Walking Dead, we're going to be doing Walkers. 10 being the best show in the world and (laughs) 1 being the worst. Okay. And Christina, what are your grades?
2: Okay, so I'm going to give Season 6, Episode 1, 8.5 Walkers.
0: That's pretty good, especially that's our highest so far.
2: It's by far my highest grading for anything we've reviewed. I was very happy with it, save for a few things, and those are still up in the air anyhow.
0: I'm going to go with 8.7, only because I don't want to start giving 9s and 10s so quick.
2: 0.7? Can you do a 0.7, Jason? I thought we could only do 0.5s or zeros. This is
0: CKC, and this is our podcast. (laughs) We make the rules.
2: Okay, so it's, it's basically a walker with just one arm chopped off. Exactly. And
0: <laughs> the reason why I give such a high score was many factors. They started with a bang. This is the most amount of walkers we've ever seen. Right away, we had two prominent dangers, which was the wolves and now this big horde. And how do we get rid of this problem? And this was a different kind of issue than they have had in the past. The way they had to go about it with corralling them through a town... We've never seen that before. So that's not a repeat, which I loved. And I love the way the character analysis... My Again, my only issues is I hope we don't repeat the, the same storyline over and over again.
1: Mm-hmm. Darnell? I'm going to give this episode a solid seven walkers. Just because I felt they could have not done that plan of taking all those walkers into this maze trail. When they could have get a, a whole bunch of maybe pop, like gasoline and like kerosene oil and just like whip the whole batch on fire, you know, in that pit, you know, but I guess I got to make entertaining, you know, purposes. But I'm going to give a solid seven now. It's the first episode. I want to get to Nancy and be like eight, nine. And then like, it could be a nine, ten worthy down the line. So I'm going to give a solid seven for now. Seven walkers for me.
2: I
0: like where your head's at.
2: I agree with the same negatives as you guys. And they probably would have brought me down a little more, but I want to wait and see if the explanations on those things make me feel better or worse about that. So I'm excited for episode two.
0: Listeners, thank you again for listening. And write to us next week your thoughts and questions you have for episode two, and we'll discuss them on episode two's podcast. You can write to us at contact at coffeeclatchcrew.com or on Facebook or Twitter. Darnell, thanks again for joining us.
1: Oh, no problem,
0: guys. Hey, and uh, we look forward to having you on future podcasts more often, please.
1: Yeah. yeah. It looks- please, it's been a pleasure. We gotta, I'll, I'm going to talk to you about that later on. We're going to set a date, and we're going to get this thing going now. We're to get back to
2: podcast. Absolutely. Viewers, look forward to having Darnell back and some other special guest okay. speakers on our next podcast coming up.
0: Until next time, this round's on me. This round is on me. Yeah.